Welcome everybody to the A-Game Podcast. We're back at it again with another one. Monday night, I'm coming at you live just after Monday Night Football concluded between the Broncos and Chargers. A ton to get to in the NFL world. A ton to get to with postseason baseball. We just had a lot of the division series concluding. Guardians and Yankees still have to finish their division series tomorrow. But a ton going on. And the NBA starts tomorrow. I'm going to get into it all right now. Hope you guys have all had a great week. I know I have. I've watched a ton of great sports. Unfortunately, I had a couple days off of school. Gave me some more time to watch sports, but it's been great. Uh, the NFL this weekend was phenomenal. Bunch of big games, but I'm going to start with the Monday night game since I just watched it between the Broncos and the Chargers. Now going in, I knew this was going to be a battle of mediocre teams. Not saying the Chargers are mediocre. They're just banged up with injuries. And the Broncos, they are not that good at football. Um, Russell Wilson had a little bit of a better game. I like the way he was moving out of the pocket. It seemed that Hackett wasn't restricting him as much as far as the playbook was concerned. But I still thought he missed a bunch of throws. I still thought the play calling was bad. For some reason, Melvin Gordon, who's supposed to be their running back number one, was benched after the second quarter and didn't see the field. Uh, something that just, there was no explanation for, there was no injury, so I just didn't get that. Um, special teams was bad, they had an awful fumble at the end that resulted in the Chargers getting game-winning field position and taking a field goal, um, and I was talking to my friends, this game was so bad that they were interviewing the kicker at the end. I mean, it's just these primetime games lately, especially when they consist of teams like the Broncos, uh, you don't see a lot of touchdowns, but and that was the same case tonight. I really like what I saw out of Justin Herbert. I know that Chargers offensive line is banged up. He didn't have any Keenan Allen tonight, who's still dealing with the hamstring issue. Uh, But, you know, he still played well. He is a top five quarterback. I'm going to continue to emphasize it. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. I feel he's a five-tool quarterback if we're going to put that on him. He does absolutely everything, throws the ball far, can hit guys in stride, can run. Uh, Josh Allen-esque, just a little worse. uh, And... This Chargers team is still a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion, when they get healthy. You don't have Slater yet. Lindsley was hurt. Uh, Bosa's still hurt. Keenan Allen's hurt. I think once they're healthy, they're going to be a threat. And uh, yeah, especially with an AFC West that isn't as good as I expected. So that's what I had as far as Monday Night Football was concerned, as I said before. Uh, The Broncos, they need to change something. I don't know if it's firing Hackett. I don't know if it's telling Russ to wake up hit better receivers. I mean, he has a ton of weapons and he's still just not producing. So I I don't know what to do with him. But um, yeah, the Broncos, they look bad. Hopefully they could turn it around. But Chargers, they're 4-2 even with being banged up. So that's big. Uh, Other games in the NFL. On Thursday night, we had the Commanders versus the Bears. I talked about this a little bit. Uh, This was just an awful primetime game. Two really, really bad teams. Uh, Carson Wentz sustained a broken finger. He's going to have around a four-week recovery um, from surgery, which that surgery should be getting done in the next week or so. Um, but the commander still pulled out a really bad game. Fields looked once again, like the worst quarterback in the, in the league. And I'm going to continue to say he is. Um, and yeah, the commanders, Brian Robinson, he actually had a good game. Good to see him healing fully from that gunshot wound. Uh, and he came back and he had a really nice game. He had his first career touchdown around 60 rushing yards. So I love what I saw to him. Uh, the Commanders, they're probably going to turn to Taylor Heineke, who we've loved watching. Uh, super gritty QB. Uh, loves playing the game. Clearly a lot of heart. Uh, and he's really mobile, too. 
Um, even though he's a smaller QB, he's around like 5'10". But uh, I'm excited to watch him. Hopefully he can get the Commanders a few more wins. Uh, but the Bears, that defense is good, but Fields is just terrible. And Montgomery's been banged up, and Khalil Herbert did nothing. And the receiving core is just non-existent. I mean, Darnell Mooney, he had a decent game. But other than that, who do you throw to? Uh, Nikhil Harry, he's tr- terrible. So, uh, yeah, the Bears, they, I mean, I'm not saying tank, but you you got to change something. You And Fields just looks bad. Hopefully he can continue to develop, but right now it looks terrible. And the Commanders are terrible too, but the Commanders somehow won in a 12-7 to shootout. <laughs> um, on Sunday, we had some, it was the most upset-filled Sunday I've watched so far this season. Uh, it seemed that I just couldn't pick, like, as far as my picks go. I've been super good in Pick'em, and my Pick'em League's winning a lot. This week was just something different. Uh, the Falcons, I, I went into this game, I knew this was going to be a trap game, uh, with Bosa out and the Niners having so many injuries. Mosley just sustained the torn ACL, and the Falcons, they're at home, they're a young team. I had a feeling they were going to win this game, and they did. 28-14, to 14, they beat the Niners on all th- in all three levels of the game. Running the ball, throwing the ball, defense, they did everything uh, better than the Niners. Even though Jimmy G had a great game, um, Niners just with a lot of drop passes. Brandon Ayuk had a great game for the Niners, but it didn't mean anything. And uh, yeah, Mariota, even though he didn't throw the ball a ton, uh, it was enough for the Falcons. Other games, Patriots just dismantled the Browns. The Browns looked terrible. And and uh, Bailey Zappi, a lot of people have been talking about him. I want to talk briefly about him. A lot of people were saying this guy... I saw a breakdown uh, of a guy who knows a lot of ball um, talking about how Zappi reminds him of a young Brady, um, the way his footwork and, and reads are concerned. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but I do like what I've seen. Um, and the Browns, they're not a bad defense at all. This is a pretty good defense, and you're on the road, and you put up 38 points. I mean, I'm going to tip my cap every time. So great job by Zappi and the Pats. And I still think Mac Jones, without hesitation, is starting when he's healthy, when he comes back. But it is good good to know that you have a, a solid backup um, who might be on the trade block in the next couple of years if he continues to play well. The Jets beat the Packers. Uh, this Packer team is awful, like really bad. Um, the offense is not good. Aaron Rodgers is having a down year, to say the least. And a lot of it has to do with having your best receiver be Alan Lazard, who isn't good at all. Um, and then you have Romeo Dubs and, and a really old Randall Cobb. Robert Tunyon, he's way more involved in the run game. He doesn't get a lot of targets. And the defense is good. It's good. But defense doesn't matter if you can't score touchdowns. It really doesn't. Um, And the Jets, they look pretty decent. Zach Wilson, I'm a big Zach Wilson believer. I love this guy out of BYU. A lot of people didn't know. They didn't know if his game would translate to the NFL. I had a feeling it would. I was completely comfortable with the Jets taking him at number two overall. Um, and they did that, and he's played well. When he's been healthy, he's been really good. Uh, Sauce Gardner on the defensive end, uh, he balled out. And going along with the Sauce Gardner, all the Jets draft picks from this last year have been absolutely phenomenal this year. They've been super good. Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, uh, Jermaine Johnson, even though he's been banged up. Uh, and then you have Quinn and Williams, who was drafted a few years ago really high. People didn't know what to expect out of him because he was hurt. He was only going viral because of him sneezing and saying thank you to himself. But he's actually a great player, and he had the best game of his career yesterday uh, and a big win for the New York Jets, who moved to 4-2. and two. A lot of people didn't see this happening. Robert Sala is a great head coach. He's going to be in this league for a long time, and uh, he's leading those boys in uh, New Jersey pretty well. 
Uh, Colts, they beat the Jags on a last-second thriller. Matt Ryan threw for 400 yards, almost 400. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he looked good for the Jags. It just wasn't enough. Um, And the Colts, Michael Pittman had his first big game of the year. I expect that out of him. He's a really talented receiver. He just needs more targets, and that'll result in more production. You saw that production yesterday. And the Colts, even though these are two really mediocre teams going at it, the whole AFC South is really mediocre. Uh, Good one for the Colts at home. Vikings, they beat the third-string Skylar Thompson on the road. Uh, This isn't a big win, really, for the Vikings. They're expected to win this game. Uh, The Dolphins, they showed fight. This Dolphins team is still super good. They just need Tua to come back ASAP. Uh, Because if not, there's a lot of AFC teams that are going to take those wild-card spots if not. So he's got to get back healthy, get back out there. But Waddle and Tyreek, they still both had big games. The defense still looked decent. Uh, But the Vikings, they're a phenomenal team. They're 5-1. I love the way their offense is going. Kirk Cousins looks pretty decent. He doesn't need to be a hero with the with how many weapons they have. Dalvin Cook, nice game. Jay Jettis, even though it was a down game, still great. Adam Thielen, they got all these guys. And then the defense. You still have the vets and Harrison Smith and, and Daniil Hunter uh, and Eric Kendricks, and there's just a lot of guys. Um, and then you got a new guy in Zadarius Smith who came over from the rival Packers. And even though they're banged up with some injuries, this team is built for the playoffs. I, I had them winning the NFC North before the season started. I have them winning the NFC North now. Um, nothing really changes. So, yeah, big for the Vikings. And then the rest of the games. We had the Bengals beat the Saints in a thriller. Joe Burrow balled out. Enough said there. Uh, the Giants, they moved to 5-1 and one against the Ravens. Uh, I'm going to stop here and talk about the this game for a little bit. A lot of people were, say, were talking about how good the Giants are, but I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. A lot of this has to do with... Uh, I saw some good takes that, about Dable building the culture. I really like that take. But also, it's a bunch of luck. I'm going to be honest. This Giants team isn't good. I think everybody is getting... Uh, uh, what's the word? They're just... The public is getting a different perspective on them that isn't true. Um, they're, yeah, their perception of the Giants is wrong. They're not that good of a team. Uh, Daniel Jones is still a bottom-tier quarterback, and they're getting really lucky. This reminds me a lot of the Steelers... Um, I always make comparisons of teams getting hot early who aren't good to the Steelers. And uh, I forgot what the year was. It was about three years ago. And then they just sucked in the playoffs, got absolutely clapped by the Chiefs in the first round. I feel like the same thing's going to happen with the Giants. But they'll probably still make the playoffs, which is great for the fans. Steelers beat the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers look bad. They look really bad. Bunch of injuries. Steelers suck too. Somehow won. Uh, Too good for them. The Rams beat the Panthers, but the Rams still aren't that good. Uh, the Panthers are just the worst team in the league. Uh, the Seahawks, they beat the Cardinals. Geno Smith looked pretty decent. The Cardinals are really bad. And then we had a great game. We had a couple great games. Bills versus the Chiefs. This was a great game. Allen and Mahomes, the two best quarterbacks in the league. Mahomes is a little better, but uh, they're the two best in the league. The Bills barely edged them out. The Chiefs were missing a lot of bodies. The Bills were missing a lot of bodies, but they're still the two best teams in football, and it's not close. Uh, great game, shootout, last second pick for the Bills, got them the win, but anything could have happened there. So two great teams going at it. You love to see it. And then the nightcap was uh, Cowboys-Eagles. The Eagles beat the Cowboys. There was this narrative going around that Cooper Rush should start over Dak Prescott. I hope all of those rumors go to bed, all of those blasphemous theories. He's not good. Uh, Cooper Rush is decent. He's very mediocre, but Dak Prescott is a great quarterback. Uh, I'm a big Dak guy. I think, you know, he they had the most productive offense in the league last year, and he got a lot of hate. 
Um, I think he's better than Kyler Murray. I think he's better than Russell Wilson. You know, there's a lot of guys I think he's better than. Um, but, you know, people aren't re- really ready to have that conversation. But when he's healthy, he's he's really good. So good for that. And then, like I said, the Monday night game. So one thing I've noticed uh, while covering the NFL this year is there's a lot of mediocre teams. There's a lot more mediocre teams than I'm accustomed to. Usually I feel like there's teams that are overpowering uh, and, you know, you have your automatic oh this team's winning 13 games type of teams and I don't feel like I have that this year it's kind of up in the air every Sunday I just don't know Uh, but there's a couple teams that are going to be those and that's just the Bills Chiefs and Eagles and other than that I I don't think so Um, but yeah a lot of teams are banged up so it's kind of hard to judge now but once everybody gets healthy for each team I think I'll have a better grasp of the whole situation so that's all I had for the NFL but a really fun week to watch nonetheless Moving on to the MLB. The MLB playoffs are here. I'm going to recap the NLDS and the ALDS, both of them. Also, the wildcard rounds. Um, I haven't. I didn't have a podcast last week. I was feeling kind of under the weather, but I'm back. Um, and yeah, it's been a great playoff so far. I've enjoyed it all, um, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you all. So in the American League wildcard games, we had the Blue Jays play the Mariners going in. I definitely thought that the Blue Jays were going to win this. I thought their pitching was going to be overpowering. I knew the Mariners had this this uh, fairy tale story potentially because it was their first time making the playoffs in 20 years. And, you know, a lot of people had expectations with a young star in Julio Rodriguez, who's going to be one of the best players in the game. But I, I, I had a feeling the Blue Jays were going to win because they were going to get a couple great home games. Um, they had Alec Manoa. They had, you know, Kevin Gosman. And the Mariners, they just, they played better uh, in all aspects. Luis Castillo, he dealt, uh, I mean, their starting pitching wasn't great, but their offense made up for it. They had a really uh, prevalent offense that just continued to ball, um, and they ended up beating the Blue Jays on the road. Um, and yeah, just huge. So really nice to see from the Mariners. And then the Guardians, they played the Rays. The Guardians, they they just outplayed the Rays in two games. They had a walk-off in 15 innings, a walk-off homer by Oscar Gonzalez, who's an emerging star. Um, and the Guardians pitching, they're still in it right now. They haven't played game five of the DS. I'm going to get to that. But this Guardians team, they don't have a lot of offense, per se. The, this this Guardians team doesn't have all the flashy firepower that you might see, but they have pitching, and they have a great bullpen, and that's why they're still standing. It, there's nothing else. They didn't need to win that many games. They have the pitching that can give them a chance of winning the championship. So, yeah, that they beat the Rays. Uh, the Rays, they had some injuries, but still they just weren't as good. Um, and then on the other side, we had the Padres playing the Mets. I had the Mets. I had the Mets no hesitation. I thought that they were going to throw DeGrom and Scherzer and shut the door with San Diego um, at home, but they didn't. The Padres came to play. The Padres pitching was really, really good. Musgrove in that final game, they did... I don't know if any of you guys watched it, but they did a substance check on his ears because they were shiny. Uh, Showalter called it, uh, asked the umps to do it because they couldn't hit Musgrove all night. They were kind of looking for a way out. But uh, yeah, he just showed a lot of heart, a lot of fire. Uh, And yeah, it was big for the Padres. I can't believe they won it, but they did. And then on another upset, the Phillies beat the Cardinals. That Phillies offense is so dang good. Uh, Harper, Schwarber, Hoskins, Bohm. I mean, there's just so many guys. Uh, they beat the Cardinals pretty easily too with just great 
uh, hitting and, and pretty good starting pitching too with Nolan Wheeler. But this unfortunately brought an end to a great career of, or the great careers of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, Molina the last time we'll see both of them play. But uh, yeah, pretty nice send off, even though they lost. And then we were moving on to the ALDS. Uh, this is where the Astros played the Mariners. The Astros, my World Series pick, my World Series winner pick. Uh, I th- And they beat the Mariners in three games, kind of as expected. Just the better team. And uh, in game one, the Mariners had it. And they brought in Robbie Ray, and he gave up an absolute bomb to Jordan Alvarez. Jordan is one of the best hitters in the game. And the Astros, just top to bottom, bullpen, starting pitching, they do it all. Um, and I just don't see anyone beating them. So they, they won. They're in the ALCS. And then on the other side, Guardians-Yankees. We've had two games in the last four days postponed because of rain in this series. Really unfortunate uh, because I just want to watch as much baseball as much baseball as possible. But I do think, so tomorrow the series is going to go to game five after uh, their split right now to to judge has been awful. Uh, both teams, not a lot of offense, but the pitching's held it down. I do think that the Guardians will win tomorrow. I think their pitching is going to uh, show out. I think it's going to be too much for the Yankees. And I think the Guardians will, will win game five tomorrow afternoon. Now it's in the afternoon since the game tonight got delayed. Um, and I think they'll go on to play the Astros, but we'll see. Then in the other NLDS, the biggest upset of them all, the Padres beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I, a lot of people uh, thought I was being uh, irrational by saying, or just out of my mind, basically, that I was saying that the Dodgers weren't legit. And I kind of said it all year because I didn't believe in their pitching. And I said it from day one. I didn't believe in their pitching. I didn't think their starting pitching was good enough. I didn't think their bullpen was good enough, despite the record. Uh, despite their ERA. And the reason I say that is because when teams score a lot of runs, the stats of the pitchers get inflated because they're pitching with six-run leads every afternoon, every evening. They're pitching with no pressure. But when you get to the playoffs, the games are going to get tighter. They're going to get closer every single time. And I didn't think the Dodgers were going to hold up. And especially with an awful manager in Dave Roberts, who should be fired, but heard, I heard, that he's going to be coming back. Um... But the Padres, they they outmanaged the Dodgers, they outpitched the Dodgers, they outhit the Dodgers. The Padres were the better team in this series. They proved it. Even though the Dodgers had the win, they were out coached, they were out hit, they just didn't play good at all. And I don't know how if you're Andrew Friedman, you're the GM of the Dodgers, you can sit there and say Dave Roberts is coming back, which he said today. I think it's ridiculous. Now, with that being said, I also see the side of the front office determines a lot of the moves of the manager, right? Managers in today's game, they are their moves are dictated by the front office. The front office can say, hey, so-and-so is coming in in the seventh today. You better do it. You better put them in. They can, they can say that. And if you don't, you might get fired. You know, you're trying to keep a job here. And, but the only, the bummer of that, the bad part of that is that you get all the hate as a coach, regardless. Even if it's the front office, you can't go in the media and be like, yeah, my GM today told me to put so-and-so in. You can't do that. You're going to lose your job. So I think Dave Roberts is bad. I'm going to say that first of all. But I do think that his hate also stems from the front office being bad. I think it's both. I think it's a combo. Now, the front office for the Dodgers is phenomenal in bringing in free agents, developing prospects, all of this. But I'm talking about in-game management. They're really, really poor at it. And that is why they've choked seven straight years 
despite the 60-game championship they had in 2020. They've choked every single year in the playoffs. And it's not because of talent. It's because of personnel in the front office and personnel in the management. It's really that simple. So Padres beat the Dodgers. They're moving on to the CS. And then the other NLCS, we had the Braves playing the Phillies. And I was convinced the Braves were going to beat the Phillies. I had the Braves making the World Series. I, I looked at their roster. I said, this pitching is great. This bullpen is great. All this is great. But it just wasn't enough. And I... I, I don't know. I think the Phillies, you know, you have that home crowd in Philadelphia. They're passionate fans. That plays into you being this successful. And they moved on to the CS. They just outplayed the Braves in every aspect. And I just, I don't know who to pick. So I'm going to get to that. We have Padres, Phillies, NLCS. That is the only NLCS decided. So that's the only NLCS I'm going to be talking about right now. Now, looking at it, I immediately think I'm going to pick the Padres, and I'll tell you why. I think this pitching is way too good. I think you throw Darvish, Snell, Musgrove in three the first three games, and then you can go to whoever. Maybe Manaya gets a game. Maybe you get a quick turnaround. You go back to Darvish. You do a bullpen game. Their bullpen is locked down. That is three top-level starters. Now, the Phillies, they have two top-level starters, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Other than that, Kyle Gibson, he's not that good. Roberto Suarez is not that good. Their bullpen is mediocre. And I've always said on this on this account, on this podcast, that pitching wins championships every single time. I don't care how you look at it. I'm not sugarcoating it at all. Pitching wins championships. It's that simple in baseball. And if you look at all these series, why did a certain team win? It's because they outpitched the other team. That is what happened. Yeah, there were there were big moments, but the reason the Padres beat the Dodgers is because they had 10 consecutive scoreless innings from the pen. The Phillies, same situation, holding the Braves to two runs. Now, the Phillies are a little different because they were scoring nine runs a game. About, <laughs> But you get my drift. This, this, is what, this is what happens in baseball. So immediately, I'm thinking Padres. Now, with that being said, when you go back to Philadelphia, that environment is so hostile. I don't know if the Phillies are going to... They could have enough. This lineup, if they get going, they could beat anybody. So... Sitting here with you right now, I'm my prediction is going to be Padres in seven. I think it goes all seven. I think it's going to be a good old-fashioned shootout. Both these teams are built so similarly. I'd say Padres in seven, but it wouldn't shock me if it was the other way around in any amount of games. And I think whoever the Astros play on the ALCS side, I won't even get into that. I think the Astros win in five or six, and I think the Astros beat whoever is on the NL side in the World Series pretty easily. I think it's Really, I see that discrepancy. I really think that the AL and the Astros are way better than anyone else left. So that is what I had as far as the MLB. I hope you guys continue to watch the playoffs tomorrow. We have two games. We have the NLDS, Game 5, Guardians-Yankees at 1, and we have Phillies-Padres, NLCS opening up tomorrow night. It is just great. It's going to be so exciting, and I hope you guys all enjoy. Now, moving on. The NBA season is here. It is here. I've been waiting. I've been talking on this account. I've been talking about preseason stuff. But now I can finally talk about the NBA season and give you my predictions. I'm so excited. Tomorrow, the season starts. We have two games, 4.30. The Sixers are playing the Celtics. That's going to be a great game. Those are two of the best teams in the East. And then we have Lakers and Warriors. Lakers aren't that good, but they could easily spoil the Warriors on opening night, especially with a healthy AD, something to prove. And there's just a lot to get into. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet 
and going to end with the NBA for today. That's all we're going to talk about. I'll talk about the rest on my account. But for the NBA, the Hawks today, they extended Daniil Hunter for four years, $95 million. That is just absolutely ridiculous. He got he got a bag. Uh, so that's that was the, the, the big thing that happened today. But I'm going to talk about the schedule and the teams that are playing. So we're looking at the best teams in the I think the West this year is going to be absolutely – I can't even predict it. There are so many great teams in the Western Conference, but I'm going to try to predict it anyway. So I'm going to go through all the teams or as many as I can. I think the bottom feeders, I'm going to try to make this into three tiers. Instead of ranking the Western Conference as a whole, we'll do three tiers to speed things up. I think there's going to be the tank for Webb and Yamas. There's literally going to be teams that sit there this year and they tank for Victor Webb and Yama. I want the best chance of the lottery to get them. That is their whole mentality this whole season. Those are going to be the Spurs, the Utah Jazz, the Houston Rockets, I believe that is it. I think that the Kings could maybe be in there, but the Kings are pretty decent this year. I think that the uh, like the Rockets, they're on the borderline, but I don't know. But the main, the main teams, Spurs, Thunder, Jazz, I think those three, especially with an injured Chet Holmgren, they're all in the Victor Webb and Yama sweepstakes. Uh, and then in Tier 2, this is going to be like the play-in teams. Like maybe they'll make the play-in, maybe they won't. I think the Portland Trailblazers have a great chance of making the play-in. A healthy Damian Lillard, a young Shaden Sharp. You brought in some other dudes. I really, I love Dame. I mean, he's going to average 30 when he's healthy. This team is going to be pretty decent. I think they'll be right on the verge of the playoffs. I think the Lakers, they're in the same combo. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to stay healthy, if that's the question. I I don't think he's going to stay healthy. I think he's going to give you 55 games, probably. And he's going to miss a couple weeks here and there. And I think the Lakers will be in the play-in, but they'll lose pretty quickly. Uh, I think the same thing can be said with the Sacramento Kings, but on a much lower level. I think this is just outside of the play-in, the Kings. They're just outside of the play-in. They have De'Aaron Fox. They have DeMontis Sabonis, a young Davion Mitchell, but it's the Kings, and I don't think they have enough. I love Keegan Murray, too. I can't believe I forgot to mention him. I think he has a great chance of winning Rookie of the Year, uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting. And then as far as another potential play-in team, I think the Minnesota Timberwolves have potential to be a play-in team. Now, for me, honest, I'm going to be 100% honest. They're either going to be a top three seed or a play-in team. I don't think they're in the middle at all. I, I think it's either going to be a massive boom from the T-Wolves or just not, not a boom with Gobert, with Gobert and company. I just don't think. So we'll see what happens as far as that's concerned. And then we have, when I'm going to get into the true contenders, the true teams that I think have a chance at making it far in the playoffs. Number one, the Golden State Warriors. They're the reigning champs. They're still the best team in the Western Conference. They even got better this offseason, adding Dante DiVincenzo, who's going to be a great role player. You get a healthy James Wiseman, who's going to get minutes. They signed all their stars to extensions. Everybody's healthy. This is the best team in the West. Now, do I think they're going to be the one, number one seed in the West? No. I think the number one seed in the West will be the Los Angeles Clippers. On paper, this team is ridiculous. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, both top 15 players in the NBA when healthy. The role players are so good. Norman Powell, Avica Zubats, Robert Covington, Luke Kennard. The list goes on. You bring in John Wall. So many guys. Uh, so many just good players that there's just not a weak link on the team. 
they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be the one seed. Now, up there as well are going to be the Denver Nuggets. You bring in a healthy Jamal Murray this year. Michael Porter Jr. is healthy, or healthier, I should say. Nikola Jokic is a, one of the best players in the league. No denying that. And you still have great role players. The Nuggets are going to be phenomenal if Murray stays healthy. I think that the Pelicans are in this conversation as well. I'm so high on the Pelicans this year. I love... I Sorry, I'm trying to go fast. I'm trying to get all my words out. This has been a long podcast. Willie Green is a phenomenal head coach for the Pelicans. Zion is healthy. I'm Zion's biggest fan. I think he's one of the best bigs in the league. I think he's so good, even though he's not a stereotypical big. You get what I'm trying to say. One of the best finishers. The Mavericks, I think, are going to be right up there. So those are like the five. T-Wolves, or sorry, T-Wolves. The, the top five in the West, in my eyes, this year, are going to be the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Pelicans, and the Mavericks. Those are my top five in the West. Now, I think the six and seven will belong to the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies, and then the field. I, I think the Phoenix Suns, they're bound to... Re- regress just a little bit and I think the West got so much better around them they're going to be around a six seed and the Grizzlies they're decent but in order for them to be great John Morant needs to be really really great so I think they'll be around a seven seed so as far as the best team in the West as far as the team I think it's going to make the finals I think the Warriors run it back and they make the finals again if everything goes to plan and they stay healthy Right outside of the Warriors, though, is the Los Angeles Clippers. If the Clippers are healthy, they could beat anybody. Same with the Nuggets. Those are the top three in the West. Moving on to the East. This is a little interesting as well. I think Charlotte's going to be really bad. I'm going to start with that. I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to be terrible. Miles Bridges, he's out for the year with his domestic violence stuff. James Booknight just got arrested. You got a bunch of criminals on this squad. LaMelo's going to have to drop 35 a night for them to win. Uh, I don't think he has that in him. I don't think any player does in the league, really. So I think the Hornets, they're going to be in the tank for Webb and Yama category. You give LaMelo Ball, Victor Webb and Yama, you are set for 10 plus years and a really good team for 10 plus years. So I think that'd be a good idea. Honestly, I think the Wizards are in the tank for Webb and Yama. I think they're going to be really bad. I think that the Detroit Pistons, despite improving on so many levels, are going to be in that bottom three part of the east i think the magic will be as well and you can even throw in the the new york knicks all those teams even the pacers those seven i mean they all are competing for the bottom of the east now if we're going to talk about the mediocre teams you know the four five seed they're still gonna make the playoffs but are they gonna make a deep run that's the miami heat for me that's the cleveland Cavs for me that's the chicago bulls for me i'm really high on the Cavs. i love darius garland obviously they brought in donovan mitchell who is a star uh, you have Evan Mobley. I mean, this team's loaded. They're probably going to be a four seed, but I don't, I'm not going to call them a championship contender. I think the Hawks are in there too. Not necessarily a championship contender. I'm not the biggest fan of DeJounte Murray and Trey Young as a duo, but I hope they prove me wrong. We'll see what happens there. Uh, and then you look at the other teams, the Raptors, I think they're right in there. I think the Nets are right in there. And then I talk about my championship contenders. I think there's only a couple championship contenders in the East right now, in my eyes. I think there's three. I think it's the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Boston Celtics. I love what the Sixers did. Harden looks healthy as ever. Joel Embiid's a star. You bring in P.J. Tucker, phenomenal role player. Tyrese Maxey's a star. So much depth. The Bucks are the Bucks. They have a big three. Giannis is the best player in basketball, best player in the whole world. They're going to be top three. And then the Boston Celtics. They're the reigning champs. They have so many weapons weapons they bring in Malcolm Brogdon 
a ton of other guys. That is who I got up there. Now, if I'm going to give you a finals prediction, I'm just going to cap it off with this. I know I talk so fast. I'm going to do a full breakdown on a live video in in a little bit. If I were to give you a finals prediction right now, I would say Warriors versus Bucks. And I've said this prediction so many times. And the only reason I don't think it was Warriors Bucks last year is because it was an unhealthy Bucks team. I think it's going to be the Warriors versus the Bucks this year. I think they're the clearly two of the best teams in the league. Giannis is so dominant. I think Steph's going to have an MVP season, type season, even if he doesn't win the award. Warriors Bucks, Warriors win the championship again, and they go back to back. That is my prediction, my official prediction, and I'm going to end it with that. I know there was some college football. I'll get to that on a future day, but this is a 33-minute podcast. I don't want to keep you guys too long. Thank you guys so much for listening to the A-Game. Once again, I appreciate you all. Love you all. Continue to follow for news. We'll be dropping more content shortly. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I'll see you next Monday. Peace.